0: don't like the name or had trouble finding it on your podcast provider we considered calling this castle bloggy public radio but then realized that its abbreviation would be cpr and that seemed like a non-starter thank you for listening my name is ian castleberry i'm a writer editor and podcaster so did you have a good weekend i hope so i had a pretty shitty experience at the movies saturday i bought advanced tickets at a local theater which i don't really like a chain which rhymes with Beagle, but it was the only place showing this movie. I was sent an email with a QR or barcode, whatever you call it, and a confirmation number. I don't think getting a link via text was an option. If so, my mistake. If not, it should be offered. I should have printed the ticket. That was my big mistake. Actually, I tried to, but my printer is running low on ink, which reminds me, I need to order that. Alexa! Well, maybe after the podcast. So I had the email on my phone, fearful that the QR code wouldn't be able to scan if I had to enlarge it, or that I'd have to be sent back to the counter to have the confirmation number typed in. But it was an early show, the theater probably wouldn't be crowded, and it would be okay. But you know where this is going. Would I be talking about this if it turned out okay? Dr. Banner. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. I went to this movie with my mother. It was a movie she wanted to see, and she's a big fan of the person featured in the film. She's 76 years old and sometimes has balance issues, especially if she's asked to walk fast. So I dropped her off at the theater entrance, then parked the car. Knowing the risk I was taking, I gave her my phone with the ticket email pulled up and focused on the QR code. All you have to do is press the home button to get to the email. You shouldn't have to do anything else. Just hand the guy the phone and he can scan the ticket, I told her. I dropped mom off, dreading that something was going to happen, like suddenly I'd be charged 40 tickets for Maleficent. Then I get back to the theater. She's not at the ticket booth, which I'm taking as a good sign. Then I go in and see her talking to the ticket taker. Oh no. What happened? I lost the ticket, Mom says. He tried to get it, and now he can't find it. Are you fucking (sighs) kidding? No problem. I'll just pull the email back up. Do a search for the theater chain, which brought up the email to begin with. Nothing. Search the movie title? Nope. Tickets? Movies? Movie tickets? Where the hell is the email? I checked the trash and spam folders with the same search terms, and nothing turned up. What the fuck? How does an email just disappear? If the theater guy accidentally deleted or archived the email or flagged it as spam, wouldn't it show up? Search after search after search turns up nothing. Try tickets, the theater guy suggests. I know he's trying to help, so I don't blow up, but I kind of want to punch him between the eyes. How about the app? I didn't buy the tickets through the app. I pull up the theater chain website, but there aren't any helpful options there either. He said he felt really bad, to which I could only respond by hissing, $20 lit on fire. Meanwhile, the clock's ticking, and even though 10 to 15 minutes of previews show before the movie, we're nearing showtime and I have no fucking record of the ticket purchase on my phone. So I walk out of the theater, mostly because I'm tired of the same three to four people staring at me and offering unhelpful suggestions. Also, I want to rip up a bench that's been bolted to the ground and throw it through a fucking window and smash everything in sight with a baseball bat that I don't have and throw my fucking phone to Atlanta. Where the fuck is the ticket? What the fuck did that guy do to my phone? Hulk! My mother walks out after me, saying they're trying to figure out how to give me a refund. But I know what they're gonna say, because I don't have a record of buying this ticket. But I'm trying to stay calm and assure her that this is not her fault. She didn't do anything. Although, who knows, maybe she did. If she just turned on the phone and handed it to the guy and she says that's what she did before he asked to take the phone and tried to find the code, which I had set up to be scanned already, then she did nothing wrong. And I have no idea what that guy did to my phone and to the email. What, did he like wave my phone under some movie pass scanner? So I take a deep breath and feel like the entire fucking human torch has left my body and floated into the air above me. Then I walk back into the theater to talk to a manager I know won't be able to help me. But hey, maybe this time it'll just work out. The customer is always right, squeaky wheel gets the grease, the same kind of bullshit I used to see when I was on the other side of this situation in retail. It didn't work out, because I had no record of the purchase in my email. Oh wait, I did find the purchase in the app, but... I didn't have the card I used to buy the tickets, and that's the only way the manager could issue me a refund. I knew there was nothing he could do, which is why I stomped outside to pick up a car and throw it over a fucking building. But I'm trying to maintain some level of calm, because I know I'm a big overgrown baby with poor emotional control and don't want to make a scene, even though I should probably be making a scene, because that's the only way these sorts of things ever get resolved. So how does this get resolved? I buy tickets to the next show. I spend more money because I want to see the goddamn movie, and I can blow off the two-hour gap by walking over to the nearby bookstore and stress-eating all of the cookies in their bakery case. The cookies aren't even that good! I mean, they're fine. Whatever. I shouldn't be eating cookies anyway. The manager says if I brought the card to the theater while he was still there, he could probably give me a refund but I'm not driving back to my house and back to the theater for $20 because it's not worth it anymore. Although it is 20 bucks, maybe it is worth it. I just shake my head and he says something about emailing customer service through the website and maybe they can help. Yeah, I'll get that $20 back when I'm 50 fucking years old. I hate everyone and everything at this moment and want to destroy every stand-up cardboard display in the lobby and smash in every framed movie poster. God damn it! And I still can't find that email. So eventually, I got to watch a movie. When entering the theater for a second time, okay, technically the third time, the staffers who were all too familiar with me by then were contrite. Hey, glad you got that straightened out. Nothing got straightened out, but thanks. Hey, did you figure out what happened? Asked the guy who lost my ticket. No, still can't find it. I'm really sorry. Thanks. I mean, it was nice enough, I guess. What else could I say? I'm getting sick of your fucking face and you cost me $20? So do we come in too hot there? A little hot? A bit too much? I figured you might not want the sales pitch first, but let's get to that. If you're a new listener to the podcast, please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. We got our first rating over there recently. It was a really nice one with many stars. Hopefully, it's the first of more to come. Also, please leave a review. A good one would be great, but a bad one is fine, too. If you want to say, that son of a bitch made me listen to 30 seconds of Glass Tiger on this podcast, and Apple Podcasts should ban him because of it, please do so. Feedback is useful. So is your support. You can also listen and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and Overcast. Are you on Facebook? I ask because I know a lot of people are getting increasingly irritated with Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook's lack of oversight, especially when it comes to political ads and hate speech. But even discourse with friends and followers has become tense and often unbearable over the past three years. Anyway, if you're on Facebook, we'd love you to stop by the podcast's page. That's facebook.com slash the P-O-D-C-A-S-S, and say hello, leave a comment, and give us a like. The podcast is also on Twitter and Instagram, at the podcast, and awaits your following. Where else do you want us to be? Just tell us. We'll pee on that grass. Uh, We'll plant that flag. Thank you.
1: A love song. It's the redemption of your heart. Your soul transformed. Through hard thought, hard times, and hard realization. We drive out of the darkness into sunshine and love. Quote, you fall in love with lonely, you end up that way. I wish on you and yours only love,
2: companionship, God's blessing, and a guiding light through the dark for all your days.
0: So yeah, I finally got to that movie on Saturday. Western Stars, the Bruce Springsteen concert film, or Bruce Springsteen, as my dad always used to call him. Although I think concert film is sort of a narrow label for this movie, yes, this is largely a performance of Springsteen's new album, so in terms of filming a stage production, yes, this is a concert film, but it's a little bit of a documentary with some music video type short films and home video footage in between each song. Directed by longtime Springsteen videographer Tom Zimney and Springsteen himself, the film is a great way for Springsteen to introduce and perform his new album, Song by Song. You would love any of your favorite albums by your favorite musicians to get this treatment. An intimate setting that makes you as a viewer, hopefully in a theater with fantastic sound, feel as if you're at a very exclusive concert. The show was played for a fortunate few in a gorgeously restored barn on Springsteen's New Jersey farm, with Springsteen narrating a short, thoughtful explanation of his writing process for each song. With those narrations is footage of Springsteen channeling his inner cowboy, driving an El Camino out west to the desert. In this case, Joshua Tree National Park in California is the desert. I'm guessing these scenes weren't filmed during the government shutdown or they cleaned up whatever stragglers and trash might have accumulated while no one was working. He's a cowboy on a steel horse he rides. Initially, Springsteen's voiceover sounds kind of slow and over enunciated. He's definitely trying to speak clearly and he doesn't quite sound comfortable. At first, it doesn't feel like he's talking to you and telling you a story. It sounds like he's reading you something that he wrote, but almost in someone else's voice. However, as he gets more comfortable and the movie settles in, Springsteen sounds more natural. Maybe because what he's saying about love, loneliness, and pain is more heartfelt. That narration and insight into his songwriting process is a reminder of what has made Springsteen so resonant over the decades. He's a great storyteller. He's able to chronicle the human experience in song even if he's embodying a character like an old western film star, or broken down stuntman in this case, rather than entirely relating a personal experience. But that experience, those observations and emotions, are in there too. Springsteen is looking far back, digging deep to find the inspiration for these songs. He recalls the days when he fled to California trying to get a break out west after getting his heart broken back home. Springsteen's biography and image seemed so tied to New Jersey and working class culture that hitting the road for California feels like sort of a surprise. But this is also the guy who sang about getting out while we're young. And if you're familiar with his biography, there have been several trips and moves out West during his life. Some might raise an eyebrow at Cowboy Bruce, wondering if he's gone country, but he's embodying a character, giving life to the stories he's telling. Hasn't he often done that in his music?
2: I'm twenty
1: five hundred miles from where I want to be.
0: Ultimately, the music is the attraction of Western stars. The setting of the concert is intimate, but the songs are large and ambitious. And Springsteen holding a guitar at the mic with Patti Scalfa and his band behind him is iconic imagery. He does a lot of Zimni's work for him. Springsteen has a 30-piece orchestra with him on stage, which he often acknowledges and virtually conducts, along with a band of seven or eight players and four or five backup singers behind him. And it all sounds fantastic. I'm guessing that a portion of the Springsteen fan base isn't crazy about all the strings and would rather hear their hero get back to the rock that they love. This reminds me of comic book fans who never want to see characters evolve beyond the stories they grew up reading. The thing is, those older comics are always there. And those songs are still around to be listened to. Artists get to change and grow though. This is where Springsteen is as a musician right now and it's exciting. I wasn't crazy about his past two albums, Wrecking Ball and High Hopes, but I'm not a Springsteen diehard who appreciates the deeper album cuts. I consider myself a fan, though. Badlands, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and Born to Run would be on my Desert Island playlist. Okay, maybe I like the Born to Run album the most. Go ahead and say those are the easy choices. Glory Days, Murder Incorporated, and Radio Nowhere are more recent favorites. And I'd say that The Rising is one of my favorite albums of the past 20 years. But I'll admit that my opinion of Western stars could be influenced by hearing these new songs with the big screen in front of me and that theater sound booming. Those strings shined on tunes like Sundown and Tucson Train, both of which I look forward to blasting in my house or car very soon. Some songs, like Stones, are better in the concert performance with Patti Scalfa sharing vocals, something that's missing from the studio album version. In many ways, this movie is a love story, which is shown with fun, touching home video footage of Springsteen and Scalfa on their honeymoon. Since it's not an original song off the new album, it feels sort of wrong to admit the song that I enjoyed the most from the performance. The one which truly made me smile was a cover of Glenn Campbell's Rhinestone Cowboy, it was just the sort of fun, rousing song that makes for a great encore. I just love that song. Although, I think Radiohead's cover is better. There's
1: been a load of compromising.
0: glad i saw western stars in the theater rather than at home as someone who's never seen springsteen live in concert and now likely never will though i've certainly had my chances over the years this will probably be the closest i get as it stands springsteen opted to make this film to support the album rather than touring and i'll take it if you get a chance to see this on a big screen with really good sound i recommend doing so if you're a springsteen fan i don't know why you wouldn't anyway Four out of five stars for Western stars. I look forward to watching it again when it's released on home video. Until then, I'll listen to that album plenty of times in the car and at home. And if it's a choice between the studio album and the record with songs from the film, I think I'll opt for the movie version. This is All right, let's close out with my Monday baseball segment from Y Sports Radio. The 2019 World Series took a sharp turn over the weekend. What looked like a certain World Series championship for the Washington Nationals is now in danger of slipping away, with the Houston Astros winning games 3, 4, and 5 in Washington, D.C. The series is going back to Houston, with the Astros holding a 3-games-to-2 lead and looking ready to win their second World Series title in three seasons. All the pressure is on the Nationals to win Tuesday's Game 6 and push the series to a Game 7. But the Nats' magic may have run out. How did this series turn so dramatically? That's what Pat Ryan and I discussed, along with front office changes for the Pittsburgh Pirates and Boston Red Sox.
2: Let's go to the wise lines and catch up with Ian Castleberry, our baseball go-to guy and a great one as well. And, uh, Ian's appearance is presented by Andrea and Greg and the gang at VistaNet telecommunications. Ian, good afternoon. Hey, how are you, Pat? Can't complain. Gorgeous day. And, uh, we're running yeah. through a ton of stuff. Uh, lots, lots of things happening, at, not only, uh, you know, in the football world, college and pro, Tiger with the whole uh, the win over in Japan but lots of baseball to get to including of course the World Series. You know, we figured Houston would have a shot at sending the World Series back to South Texas, but back to South Texas up 3 games to 2. Not sure I saw that coming, uh Ian, but how did Houston manage to turn a dire situation into being on the verge of another World Series championship?
1: Yeah, Houston was just too good for this series not to uh, return uh, to Houston uh, for at least uh, a game six. But the biggest change for the Astros is that th- their pitching came back. Uh, they only allowed three runs over games three, four, and five. Only 17 hits total over those three games, and just four hits each in games four and five. So uh, the Astros' pitching really shut down uh, Nationals' bats uh, You know that had been hot throughout the postseason. I think also Alex Bregman's resurgence was a key to the Astros winning these games. He he went hitless in games 3 and 5. But his game four, uh, three for five, grand slam, five RBIs, he was really struggling. And I think from what I've seen, uh, Bregman was not happy that uh, Michael Brantley wasn't in, intentionally walked to, to face him, which he took as kind of a slap in the face. Good strategy by the Nationals, but I, I think Bregman has had a, a big chip on his shoulder ever since to improve. And he certainly has. And overall, I just think Houston has greater depth. Jordan Alvarez, just 22 years old, uh, designated hitter, moves over to left field. They they started uh, Jose Uquidy last night, uh, and he pitched very well. Meanwhile, the Nats lose uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, in Game 5, which was really their best chance to win, Mm -hmm. and replaced him with Joe Ross, who Joe Ross could be a a key part of the Nationals future rotation, but he's not going to be a top-of-the-rotation starter, and we certainly saw that last night, uh, giving up five hits, uh, four runs in just five innings.
2: Yeah, let's just keep on that theme there, Ian. Yeah, the Astros catching a break when Scherzer was scratched uh, with neck spasms, by the way, and from what they tell me, it was incredibly painful, and if it was too painful for Scherzer, it was painful, man, because that guy's uber competitive. So, Ian, you know, so who knows what out, last night's outcome would have been if Scherzer was on the mound? But more importantly, I think for for baseball fans, what is Scherzer's status for Game Six and Seven in Houston?
1: It's uncertain right now. I think it has to be a little bit scary if you're a Nats fan. I mean, you would expect him to start Game Seven, but uh, he took a cortisone shot uh, from team trainers, and they're waiting, I think, about twenty four hours to see how he. Response to that, so he could be available in relief for Game Six. Would be expected to start Game Seven if he recovers. But uh, again, uh, those uh, neck and trapezius muscle spasms, Scherzer said that his uh, neck pretty much uh, and shoulders pretty much locked up on the right side uh, on Sunday morning, which is why he couldn't pitch. So it's not a given that uh, Scherzer uh, will pitch a Game Seven uh, if necessary, or even re- appear in relief of Steven Strasburg in Game 6. Oh, boy.
2: Uh, yeah, Nats fans, hang in there. Uh, is Ian Castleberry joining the Wise Guys, presented by Vistanet Telecommunications. All right, great matchup tomorrow on the mound at Strasburg versus Verlander. Ian, do the Astros wrap it up tomorrow night?
1: I, I think this is going to go to a Game 7. Uh, the Nationals, throughout the season, they have played better when their season is on the line And maybe it's better for them to get away from – I think there was a lot of pressure on them. You know, Washington, D.C. was so excited about hosting the World Series for games three, four, and five. I think there was a a pretty heavy expectation, which you could understand, that the Nats would win the World Series, would close it out during those three games at home. So maybe getting away from that and, again, facing a pressure situation, which they've done really since uh, late May – I think it could be a good situation for them. Uh, Steven Strasburg, he's allowed two runs combined in his past two starts, pitching very well. And then, meanwhile, Justin Verlander, as great as he is, he has not pitched well in the World Series. Uh, his career: 0 for 5, a 5.73 ERA in the World Series. So I like the Nats' chances in Game 6, but to win a Game 7 and to win a World Series I think is an awfully formidable task. Uh, Can they win two more games at Houston? And then you also take into consideration that no team has ever won four road games in a World Series. So the Nats are really up against
2: it here. Boy, are they. Uh, For sure, man. Uh, Boy, that that took a quick turn. (laughs) For sure. Jeez, man. Every (laughs) game, games one through five, the visiting team wins. Trying to remember the last Last time that's happened uh, in the World Series. Um, Ian, uh, let's get into some big front office moves. We don't really talk about front office moves that often because, well, they're not usually um, as, well, let's put it this way. They don't occur as often as, as player moves. But the Pirates are shaking things up upstairs. So, Ian, take us through Pittsburgh's purging.
1: Yeah, the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, announced they were firing uh, General Manager Neil Huntington, which is the timing of it is a little bit curious because I, I think not to say that Huntington should have been kept, but why wasn't he fired at the same time uh, manager Clint Hurdle was fired? But uh, the owner, Bob Nutting, apparently uh, kind of just took a, a longer evaluation of his front office. Uh, the team president, uh, Frank Cooley, uh resigned last week and now uh, firing Huntington. Uh, a new team president has been hired, Travis Williams. Uh, he is a, a former CEO of the Pittsburgh Penguins, so he definitely can run uh, successful sports team. But I think that does call into question as to what moves he will make. What sort of general manager uh, will he hire? And then, you know, the the Pirates, they're not going to hire a manager until that GM is hired. Uh, Up until then, it it looked like, uh, you know, Jeff Bannister or somebody else uh, in that Pirates managerial staff, you know, who had worked with Clint Hurdle uh, might be next in line. But uh, with the, the Pirates shaking up their front office, and you wonder uh, what sorts of moves they will make. Uh, I think Bob Nutting still claiming that the Pirates are, you know, uh, among the, the the smaller markets, uh, you know, who have low revenue uh, in Major League Baseball, even though they share in the same TV money uh, and revenue sharing that uh, other Major League teams do. But of course, Pittsburgh not the market that a New York or Los Angeles or or, or a Chicago is.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, easy to say there, but Boston is. Uh, so let's look at the Red Sox. Looks like uh, Boston, who suffered through a tough season, Red Sox starting uh, near the top as well in making changes for 2020, Ian.
1: Yeah, finally, uh, the Red Sox have hired uh, Dave Dombrowski's replacement, uh, hiring uh, former Tampa Bay Rays senior VP of Baseball Operations Haim Bloom as their new uh, general manager. And you look at uh, how competitive the Tampa Bay Rays have been Despite not having uh, a big payroll, you know, they were in uh, the ALDS uh, against the Houston Astros, uh, took them to five games. They consistently get production out of players who aren't valued as highly and they don't spend big money uh, for free agents. Uh, They've made some very good trades, uh, one of which uh, when they traded Chris Archer to the Pittsburgh Pirates and got Austin Meadows and uh, a Tyler Glasnow in return. I think that's a deal that kind of sealed the deal on Neil Huntington. Quite <laughs> frankly, so Hyam uh, Bloom, his job is going to be to cut payroll. Uh, that was the big knock against Dave Dombrowski, is that he just spent too much money and and really kind of handcuffed them financially for the future. So uh, I think Bloom is, is going to apply. Uh, if, you know, if you want to call it a money ball. Uh, approach at this point, uh, apply it more to the Red Sox? Does that mean, you know, are they going to trade uh, J.D. Martinez, trade Jackie Bradley? What are they going to do with Mookie Betts? Uh, maybe pare down, uh, some of the, the payroll, uh, on that pitching staff as well. So that's what, uh, Heim Bloom's gonna be doing, uh, at once he, uh, settles in as a Boston Red Sox GM.
2: Oh boy. Uh, we'll, we'll be getting into more Wednesday, I'm sure. Uh, could we be, be talking about a Houston Astros World Series victory, uh, with Ian on Wednesday show? Well, we'll, we'll find out on Wednesday, of course. Ian, always appreciate the knowledge, my friend. You bring it each and every time and, uh, can't wait to catch up Wednesday, buddy. All right, thank you, Pat. Thank you, Ian, very much. Ian Castleberry uh, with the Wise Guys and the Experience talking Baseball, brought to you by Andrea and Greg at Vistanet Telecommunications. And that's the
0: podcast. I know I should have done something for Halloween. I had all October. So lame. Uncle Ian's no fun. But I hope my nieces have fun trick-or-treating. Ian Again! Again. Okay. Although rain is in the forecast, which sucks. We already mentioned all the places you can find us on social media, but if you're more of the letter or email writing type, send us a note at thepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Bring that inbox to life.
1: The only way to stave off mankind's extinction is with a weapon more powerful than any atomic device. That weapon
0: is fear. I know I've said that we'd talk about HBO's Watchmen for the past two episodes but we are running long here blame that ticket losing dumbass at the movie theater for taking up the time I would have devoted to Watchmen which I really want to discuss because I think it's worth talking about so next time out Watchmen talk otherwise I expect Sister Night and Looking Glass to come after me until we meet again may you receive cards and letters from people you don't even know I'm still cat.